Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter number 26. Acts chapter 26. My hope was we'd be back in the book of Acts here today, and we will uh, probably not finish this chapter just because of the sake of time today, but there's some interesting things in Acts chapter 26 that I want to bring to our attention here. I want you to pray for several people, if you would. I know there's several people. I'm getting phone calls over the last several days, many phone calls of people that have been sick, and uh, I know we've had some that have either gone to the hospital. I don't know of any that are necessarily in the hospital now that are members of the church, but I know there's family members that um, uh, of loved ones we're praying for that uh, are hospitalized because of the sickness, the virus. But I know there's many, many church members or family members of church members, and then not just those that are sick, but those that are in the same home having to quarantine. So I know this has caused a lot of stress and just a lot of uh, um, concern. And so you pray for our state, if you would, please. I, um, I know there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. Paul is in chapter uh, 26 here. Paul now stands before King Agrippa. Paul is in Caesarea, and he's been taken from Jerusalem and over to Caesarea. Caesarea sits right on the Mediterranean Sea. It's a retreat. Uh, Caesarea is a place that they have actually uh, taken, and you can visit Caesarea. It's a, it's a beautiful area that sits right on the Mediterranean. It was a convenient place for those that were traveling uh, from other parts of Europe to be able to come and it was also a retreat place for the kings and the rulers there of, of Israel uh, during this time. All the luxuries that you could imagine uh, were there in Caesarea. The kings would retreat there. Israel, they say, uh, has nine different uh, climates. And so there's areas of the deserts that get really, really hot. And so they would come to retreat places like this. And the wealthy and the well-to-do would come here. And this is where kings would come. This is where governors would come, and this is the place they chose to take Paul because also if he's going to go to Rome, he's going to have to get to the coast so that he can board a ship, and we'll see this in the coming chapter, and he'll be on his way to Rome. It's been several weeks since we've been in, in Acts, and I want to remind you that Paul has now being held captive here in Caesarea. He comes to Jerusalem. He, his goal is to get there for Pentecost. He's found there in the, in the uh, temple. He's recognized by those that have also come to Jerusalem, and he's arrested by the Jews. They seek to kill him. The only reason why they want to kill Paul is because he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's telling them to, to repent of their sins and follow this Jesus of Nazareth. And at this time, the Jews are doing everything they can to stop the disciples and the apostles from preaching in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. They're trying to stop this. They've crucified Jesus, but that didn't stop the preaching of the gospel. Matter of fact, what that did is it caused even more to follow Jesus Christ. The day of Pentecost, as we studied, now it's been months ago as we studied the day of Pentecost back in the beginning of Acts, where the church is established and thousands upon thousands of people are saved. And now the gospel message has gone through all of the known world. The Bible says that these that preach the gospel have turned the world upside down. And this is where Paul is living now. This is the, the, uh, the world that the disciples are in. There's much of the gospel going out. There's many people that are being saved, but there's much persecution that's taking place. 
I want to pause there and just simply say, church, when persecution comes, it should not cease the gospel from going forth. As a matter of fact, the gospel should even go forth even greater in times of persecution. And that's what's happening with Paul. So Paul is now in Caesarea for the, the crimes the Jews have accused him of. This has been a, a long struggle for Paul. It's taken a lot of time, and Paul now is sitting in, in jail, sitting, uh, uh, waiting to, to, uh, uh, to plead his case and waiting to go before uh, uh, Rome and Caesar there in Rome. And, and he knows he'll probably never be released. Now, Paul hasn't committed crimes against the state. Paul has not committed crimes against Rome. But Paul knows he's probably never going to be released. He's heading to Rome. He knows he's on his way there to Rome. It's, it's, a, it's a certain fact unless he's killed on the way there by the Jews. Let's pick up reading, if you would, in chapter number 26. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy. Would you, would you underline that phrase? I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be uh, expert in the customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear, my, hear me patiently, my manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God, day and night, hope to come, for which hopes sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. What Paul is simply saying is this, I'm preaching what God promised would come. What the Jews have been waiting for is here. And I'm simply preaching that the Messiah has come. This is what the 12 tribes have been anxiously waiting to, to see, that God redeeming mankind, the plan that God set out in the Old Testament has now been fulfilled. He says, I'm, a, I'm accused of doing what the Jews say they're waiting to happen. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue, compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw the way a light from heaven above the brightest of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. 
but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and in, in inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And he says this in verse 19, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And Paul, very quickly here in just a few verses, gives his testimony of his life, of his conversion to King Agrippa. He says, King, I, I was as religious as these, these Pharisees that now want to see me dead. I was steeped in religion. I, I, was, I was trained by the best. I was of the strictest sect. I was religious. I persecuted people like me. I put them in prison. I consented to their death. They angered me, just like these Pharisees are angered with me for preaching the gospel. I know what it's like. I was one of them. And I was angry with the Christians as well. He says, but something happened. He then told of his testimony, his conversion there on the way to Damascus. What Paul is saying is this. This isn't something that I chose. This is not just changing from one religion to another religion. This is not just changing from one set of beliefs to a, another set of beliefs. This was done by God. And this was done so that all men, Gentiles and Jews, could hear the gospel message and then also by faith receive this gift of salvation. And he says this, he ends what I, where I ended in verse 19. He says, I was not dis disobedient to the heavenly vision. He said, uh, I'm going to follow God. Paul is enduring quite a bit. He's in bondage. He's accused of, of no real crime. And, G, and the Jews are seeking to kill him. What is there left to do with Paul's life? If we found ourselves in the place that Paul found himself in, what would our statement be? What would our stand be? And for the next few moments, I want you to think about this. If it seemed like life was over, if you were being persecuted for being a Christian and there was no path out of this, what would your words be? How would you stand? Those around you that are witnessing your final days, what would they hear from your mouth? Because it seems like, Paul, it's all lost. All of this is because Paul followed God. All of this is because Paul says in verse 19, I was not disobedient to the vision. I did exactly what God called me to do. Paul was obedient to God and still found himself in bondage. Paul was obedient to God and still found himself standing before King Agrippa trying to plead his case. Paul was obedient to God and he found himself wanting to be killed by the Jews. Paul's life is going to be taken because he was obedient to God. I want you to think about that. 
How would we respond? All of this because he followed God. I want to make this statement this morning. When a man or a woman seeks to follow God and do his will, opposition is going to come. When a church of God seeks to follow God and do his will, opposition is going to come. Yesterday we had an outreach. We went into White House and we put the, uh, that, the Jesus film and a packet of information, information inviting us to our church and, and uh, the gospel, the track with the gospel message and, and uh, just several pieces of literature. And so the, those that could get this off their door, they would get it and not just an invitation to our church, but an invitation to the gospel. We had someone contact the church and ask that we not leave our garbage on their door any longer. And uh, my first thought was, um, I won't tell you, but um, it just stayed right here. It didn't leave. But I thought to myself, here is, here is someone thinking that the gospel message or the invitation to Christ is, is just garbage, called it garbage. I thought to myself, that's what the world sees of what we're trying to do in giving the gospel out, the opposition is going to come. Trials will follow. And following God can only be done by faith. And please don't miss this, church. Because I believe this. I believe that the job of every pastor right now in a New Testament church is got to be to cause the church, cause the body of Christ to challenge them in their faith. I believe this, if God desires, that revival can still come. I believe that with all my heart. You say, why do you believe that? Because God can do the impossible. We're not God. I'm not God. I don't know God's ways. Some of the darkest times in human history, God brought uh, uh, humankind out of that with a great revival that took place here in our world. Revival can take place. But as I see the world and I read Scripture, I do believe this, that we are coming to the last days. I believe, as I preached last week, that we are living in perilous times. Although I would love to see God send a great revival in this generation for our sake, for our children's sake, a wonderful thing, and if He chooses to do that, I pray that He would use us, uh, that we would be right with Him, and that we would be uh, uh, used in that great revival. I pray that that would happen, but I also know this, that the Bible says, in the last days, perilous times are going to come and persecution is going to take place. I believe this, Christians are going to be challenged. I believe that great persecution is going to come against the church. And it's going to take a people of faith to be able to stand in difficult times. And my question to us is, are, are we going to stand? Because in chapter number 26, I find the Apostle Paul standing in the day of persecution. And what is causing him to stand? The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's going to take great faith. Now, church, it's not going to take our strength and our knowledge and in our desire to be able to stand. It's going to take faith in God, in who He is, in His work, in His plan. 
You see, the only way that Paul could stand when all seemed against him is he believed in God. He believed in God's plan. He believed that when God came to him on that road of Damascus and he, he repented and surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ and began to do the will of the Father, he believed that it required faith. The Bible says this, by grace are you saved through faith. You see, it took faith to accept that grace of God in order for us to be saved, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. In Ephesians 2.8, Paul writes the church of Ephesus. Salvation requires no works. There's nothing you could do to merit salvation. There's nothing you can do to obtain salvation. Simply believe what God said. Accept that grace that he gives, the cross of Calvary. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, Paul writing to the church of Corinth, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Hear me, church, we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. Paul had no idea what was going to happen the rest of chapter number 26. He just simply says this in verse number 2, I think myself happy. How could Paul be happy to share what he was about ready to share. I mean, Paul is, is only there because the Jews have uh, uh, sought to kill him. He's in bondage. He, he can't leave. He, he, he can't walk out of this situation. He's going to Rome in chains. He's going to get to Rome and stay in chains. From this point forward, it seems like Paul is going to live the rest of his life in bondage. How could Paul think himself happy to be able to respond to this? I'd be angry if I were, if, if I were Paul. I'd be upset. I, I don't know about you, but I, I would say, you know what, I don't deserve this. But Paul willingly, happily, he stands and said, thank you, thank you for allowing me the opportunity, King Agrippa, to tell you this side. And Paul learned that the life lived pleasing to the Lord is a life lived by faith. Please don't miss this. Hear me, please. The life lived pleasing to the Lord is a life lived by faith. Not having the answers for tomorrow, but trusting in the one who does. We, we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, but we know who holds tomorrow, and that ought to give us great joy. That, that ought to encourage us in times of difficulty. That ought to encourage us in times of persecution. The reality is this. King Agrippa and Festus and the chief priests, they only have the control that God is allowing them to have over Paul. They don't have any authority over Paul that God hasn't allowed them to have. And oh, listen to me. The world doesn't have any authority over the church that God hasn't allowed them to have. What this faith allows Paul to understand and believe is that God is still in control. It doesn't matter the, the situation we find ourselves in. God is still in control. And it requires faith believing that. And I want to look at this phrase, this short few words here. Paul says, I think myself happy. And I want to preach today this message. It's a battle of your mind. It's a battle of, a, of our mind. Paul says, I think myself happy, King Agrippa. 
It all starts with our thinking. How can we be a people of faith? Now, this isn't wishful thinking. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking here today. I'm talking about faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference in us saying, don't worry, it's all going to work out. Everything always works out. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about getting in places in our life where we're not sure what the answer is and we're not sure what tomorrow is going to hold and we're suffering persecution and we're dealing with opposition, but we can be happy in our thoughts and our heart and our mind. We can because of faith in who holds the future and that's where the Christian ought to be. Not wishful thinking, but thinking by faith, believing that God is in control. How do we do that? I want you to turn with me to Philippians, if you would. Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter 4, in verse number 6. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. You see, everything that Paul writes to the church at Philippi, to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Corinth and in Thessalonica, and all these churches that Paul is writing to, Paul is written, you know what Paul is doing? He's living. He's living what he preached. He didn't just tell them to live a certain way, and then then when it came down time to it, he, he... fled from what he taught, Paul is living out his faith. The faith that he told them to be solid in, the faith that he told them to be grounded in, Paul, in his last days, is living that faith. Listen to me, parent, grandparent, the best thing you can do for your family is to live that faith that you taught them from the child. Now's not the time. Now's not the time to, to give up. Now's not the time to quit. Now's not the time to to flee. Now's the time to dig in and live what's been taught. Paul says this, speaking of our minds, in verse number six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, a thankful heart, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts, and what's that next word? Minds, through Christ Jesus. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a battle of our mind. Paul is in a place, and Paul's response to King Agrippa is, I think myself happy. Look with me, finally, my brethren, in verse number eight. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what's he say? Think on these things. Think on these things. What things? Those things he just said, what's pure and lovely and good report. Think on these things, whatever's honest. Paul is giving the the Philippian church here the ingredients and and the path in order to to be happy, to have joy, to to suffer persecution, to live a life of faith by by allowing your mind to be settled, by allowing your mind to be uh, thought on these things, to be established on these things. 
things. And oh, listen to me, we have so many things that are battling for our mind. We have fear and we have situations in our world. We can look at the persecution. We can look at the problems. And Paul is saying, get your mind off of those things. If you want to live a life of faith, if you want to live a life pleasing to the Lord, think on these things. I know it's the same for us as believers today. If we're going to live a life of faith, if we're going to be able to stand in the day that persecution comes and be able to say, I, I think myself happy. How could you be happy? Because he gets to tell Agrippa and all those that are listening the purpose of his life. And the purpose of his life was to tell others of the gospel message. Remember that conversion that he had there. Jesus said, I'm going to send you and you're going to yeah, preach uh, repentance to the Jews. You're going to preach repentance to, to the kings and you're going to pe- preach repentance to all men. He's now got a calling and Paul is fulfilling that calling. And it doesn't matter the circumstances he finds himself in. What matters is he's able to fulfill what God has called him to do. Now, if we're honest as, as human beings... It's hard not to look at the circumstances. My wife said to me yesterday, she said, have you seen on Facebook lately? I said, what? What, what, are, you, what are you looking at? She says, people keep posting. There's no toilet paper, no, no paper towels. I knew what that meant. Get in your truck and go get paper towels and toilet paper. And so sure enough, I'm walking in. I, I'm walking out with my limit of two I'm walking out and she says I'll stay in the truck while you go and get those things I said of course you will and I'm passing church members on the way out hey you know I'm blaming Michelle yeah she told me to get this I don't know we look at the circumstances around us and if we're not careful we can get scared governor's going to speak on Thursday what's that mean I had people ask me this past week, what are you going to do if they shut the church down? We're going to have church. That's what it's about. We're going to preach the gospel. What are you going to do if people that we give the gospel to call it garbage? We're going to keep giving the gospel. What I wanted to ask the guy, I'll tell you now, was what's your address? I was going to go back again and put another one on his door, but that would have been not the right thing to do. What are we going to do in a world that stands against us? We're going to think ourselves happy to be able to deliver the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This is us allowing our thoughts of fear, of anxiety, of jealousy, of pride, of covetousness, of of selfishness, in all these human thoughts to become captive under the mind of Christ. Listen here this morning. You not allowing your human reasoning to control you, but rather allow our mind to receive the truth of God's Word. Church, we have got to receive the, the truth of God's Word and yield our thoughts to the God's purpose and God's will. And that's what Paul was doing here. He's yielding his thoughts. He's yielding his anxieties. He's yielding his fear to God's will. And the only way to do that is faith. I want you to see in verse number six, and I know my time is done, but I, wanna, I want you to see these things. I want to encourage you today. 
Paul said this, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. As you read this, I don't think that Paul is complaining of this. It's not like he's being sarcastic. Yeah, and now I'm here doing what God said he was going to do. No, this was Paul saw his purpose in life to fulfill and counted himself faithful to fulfill God's calling. Paul is standing here and he says, you know what I'm doing here? I stand and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. He's making a declaration. This is what I live for. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is why I'm here. I'm here because I'm serving God. And I'm doing what he called me to do. Christian, I believe that we are living in one of the most exciting generations mankind has ever known. If we are truly living in the last days, we are living in an exciting generation. We're, sit, we're, we're living in a generation that soon the, Jesus Christ is going to come and receive his bride. And that means this, like no other time before, we have work to do. We have souls that need to be saved. We have people that need to hear the gospel. The gospel message needs to go out in our community, in our city, and across this world. And living for Jesus Christ is our joy. Telling the gospel message is our joy. We can't find joy any other way if we're truly following following God's purpose for our life. It isn't in, joy isn't in making sure that we have enough in our bank account or making sure we have enough resources in this world. Joy is saying, I'm standing for the gospel in this generation. I'm standing for truth in this generation. And this is my joy to be able to proclaim the truth. Now is not the time for the Christian to hide. Now is not the time for the Christian to quit. Now is not the time for the Christian to go and, and, and uh, uh, cower. Now is the time for the Christian to stand and say, this is my joy, is to tell someone what Jesus Christ came to this earth to do. What do you want to be remembered for? Paul is writing what's going to be placed on his tombstone. Paul stood and was judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. What do you want it said that you stood for? What do you want it said that this church stood for? What do you want to be remembered for? What, what do you want your children to remember you for? And your grandchildren to remember you for? And, and those that know you? What do you, want, what do you want God to know you for? Someone that stands and gives the gospel. I want you to see this, and I'm done with this point. Paul says, I've verily thought with myself that I ought to do, uh, I'm sorry, I better put my glasses on. Verse number eight, why should it be thought of things incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Paul is asking Agrippa this challenging question, why, why do you think why do you think it's such an impossible thing why do you think it's so incredible that God should have raised someone from the dead you, you know Paul was able to live a life of faith because he believed that God can do the impossible and if you want joy in life you've got to believe that God can do the impossible 
Paul is standing here. He's not cowering. He's not giving excuses. He's not blaming anyone. He's not looking at the Pharisees and, and looking at the chief priest and looking at King Agrippa and saying, you guys have wrongly accused me. I've done nothing wrong. What Paul is saying, I'm standing here happy today because I get to tell you the gospel message. I get to stand and do what God has called me to do. And that's where the joy for the Christian comes from. Knowing you did what God called you to do gives the Christian great joy. But this comes by a life of faith. And it comes with making sure that your mind, as Paul said in Philippians 4, 8, is on things that are honest, things that are pure, things that are just, things that are of good report, thinking on these things and getting our mind off of fear, getting our mind off the things of this world, getting our mind off the problems of what's going on around us in believing by faith that God is in control and that God has a plan and the joy for the Christian comes when you do what God has placed you on this earth to do. So you say, so pastor, what do you do in the times of trouble like this? Do what God's called you to do. For we are ambassadors for Christ. Tell the world about Jesus. Make sure your thinking is, 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 is under the mind of Christ and thinking upon these things. Making sure that you're not consumed with the things of this world. And that means this, you've got to make sure what you're putting in is things of God. I said to someone today on the way in, they and their wife were walking in and she said this, oh no, he doesn't watch the news anymore. You know what I thought? Good thing. How are you going to know what's going on in the world? This book tells us what's going on in the world. Think on these things. Think on these things, Christian. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I know today we tried to do much. We, we wanted to worship you with singing. We wanted to prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. We wanted to acknowledge, Lord, that you were in control and challenge our church to walk by faith and so Lord I pray that your spirit would sort out in each mind and each heart Lord what each individual person needs I pray Lord that we would leave here Lord if there's some that are discouraged I pray they'd leave here encouraged to know that you are in control believing that I pray that our faith would be increased I pray that we would leave here wanting and having a desire to do your will more than anything else in this world. Doing the will of the Father. So Lord, strengthen us. May we remember, Lord, consistently what Jesus Christ did on the cross. May we consider consistently in our lives the gospel message. Not just when we take of the bread or the cup May we take that with us and remember these things often, consistently. Lord, help us to be a people of prayer. Help us to be a people of the book. And Lord, strengthen us to be a people of faith. 
May your people here in this church stand strong, be a light in a dark world. May we be salt in a place, Lord, that, that needs it. And in these last days, Lord, if that be true, may we have the fervor and the passion to live out the gospel message, to think ourselves happy because we have an opportunity to share the gospel, to share what you did in our life. Help our mind and our thoughts and our heart to be consumed with Jesus Christ.